the wide receivers. This position's either going to make or break the offense for Penn State in 2023. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. My name is Zach Seiko. And yes, the wide receiver position is the one that's going to make or break the Penn State offense. We're going to open up. Uh, the first two segments with a full-on preview of the wide receiver position for Penn State uh, and then get into some Penn State men's basketball as they play Minnesota tomorrow at the time of the airing of this episode on your Friday, February 17th. Uh, and Penn State plays in prime time, 8 p.m. out there, 9 p.m. Eastern time against the lackluster <laughs> Golden Gophers, the bottom of the barrel this season. Uh, but the wide receivers, this this position group is the one with, I think, the most question marks around it, right? Uh, the offensive line is not going to be an issue because Olu Fashion is coming back, Caden Wallace is back, Hunter Norzad's back, Landon Tangwell is recovering from injury, and all the depth that we have covered on this show that the offensive line has. Pending injury, of course. Uh, but the offensive line, I think, is one of the most stable groups for the Penn State offense and running backs will definitely not be a problem for Penn State. Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, I don't think I need to say anything more. And, and then quarterback Drew Aller will be just fine. But he's going to need his passing targets. And, and the tight ends, the aces, uh, they're deep. A fusion of veterans, a raw talent. And so that leaves the wide receiver position with an identity issue at this point. Uh, they can find their identity, but what ultimately is it Taylor Stubblefield gets fired in the off season. You lose Mitchell Tinsley, you lose Parker Washington. And now you're here. Yeah. Marcus Haggins is a incredible home run hire, but let's see how he does after being at Virginia for his entire life. Uh, if you will, outside of his time in the NFL, but, but that's really just it. The wide receiver room is getting a total and complete makeover. Whereas all these other position groups, have a little bit of continuity, right? You have starters coming back. Now, Keandre Lambert-Smith is returning, but Penn State really had to rely on the transfer portal in this cycle. So the impact of Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, let's start there. And of course, we'll get into depth chart and we're going to break this up, answer all of it. Who's the number one target in this new look wide receiver group? Who are some of the instant impact players that Penn State's going to have that are already on the roster? The impact of the transfers, and what Dante Cephas, now he's committed, he's not exactly on campus just yet. Uh, and then you have Malik McLean, who is on campus and at winter workouts here. Uh, so Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley combined for uh, 1,188 receiving yards. Uh, you had 97 receptions between the two and seven touchdowns. They were a bulk of the passing attack when it came to the receivers. The tight ends, of course, were very much involved. Uh, take Brenton Strange, for example, uh, tied with Mitchell Tinsley for touchdown receptions to lead the team. But Tinsley, so tied for the lead in receiving touchdowns, as I said. Uh, Washington led them in catches, and that was despite missing the Rose Bowl and those final two regular season games. Uh, so Parker Washington, who wanted, you know, what would his stats been like 
had he played the full season. Uh, with them moving on, you expect Keandre Lambert-Smith to be the next guy because he is the main contributor that is coming back in this case. But everybody wants to know, what's that depth chart going to look like? Who are going to be the three starters uh, come the first game against West Virginia? The X, the Y, and the Z. The, the one outside boundary receiver, the Y is the slot position. And then the Z is the other position that Keandre Lambert-Smith is very familiar with. But the uh, X position is that number one target. The guy that runs the option route uh, is the main receiver for whoever's quarterbacking in this case, most likely until it's named. We're going to assume it is Drew Aller until proven otherwise here, right? Uh, but Dante Cephas was uh, brought in, and this is the same thing with Mitchell Tinsley. Penn State did not have an X receiver uh, at that spot uh, last season, so they went out and got him from Western Kentucky. So this is the same case with Dante Cephas. He knows that position, and he can come in, so there won't really be something in terms of lost in translation or having to learn something completely over, just the playbook. Uh, so at the X receiver position, uh, we're assuming that it's Dante Cephas and then Trey Wallace as the one and two at the X spot. Then you move to the slot, and... If we're looking at the end of last season's depth chart, who came in when Parker Washington wasn't in the slot? Well, they went to a more conservative two receiver, two tight end set. But when they did go three receivers, Mitchell Tinsley came into the slot quite a bit. But who was after him? Because Mitchell Tinsley was the X wide receiver that did move over to the slot because he was the best available option. Then Trey Wallace came in as the X. It was Liam Clifford. I know that one sounds surprising to you. It's Liam Clifford. So he would hypothetically be the starting slot going into next season. Then who's behind him? Caden Saunders. And we know all about Caden Saunders, high, high end four star, 97 overall, according to 24 seven sports, but that's your slot receiver position. And then the Z Keandre Lambert Smith, he started there last year, got a little banged up and then became at the end of the season, arguably the best wide receiver on the team in terms of who Sean Clifford trusted the most. Look at the Michigan State game. Look at the Rose Bowl. Um, and it was Keandre Lambert-Smith who stepped up in a big way. And you hope that moves on, moves over into 2023. Uh, Malik McLean would be the assumed backup, right? Uh, kind of, you know, he comes in. He started as a freshman at, at Florida State. He's got big upside, literally, because he he's six foot four. You finally have uh, another tall receiver in the room uh, and just a big body playmaker that, I don't think would be a fit for the exposition. I think he's more for the Z. Uh, but there's also a chance this is something that's been discussed by other Penn State media that Cephas is the X, Keandre Lambert-Smith moves over to the slot, and, and Trey Wallace becomes the Z, or Malik McLean uh, in that case. And and that's the first... The, my, my depth chart there with Clifford in the slot and then Cephas and Keandre Lambert-Smith is assuming just everyone moves up a spot based on the way the season ended. When Washington went out and Tinsley wasn't in the slot, it was Liam Clifford. When Tinsley went out at the X, it was Trey Wallace and then Amari Evans. So hypothetically, we could see both those guys start if Cephas and McLean aren't exactly caught up with, you know, transferring in. Yeah, Cephas is going to come in over the summer. He's got to build chemistry, learn the playbook right away and build that rapport with the team. So a little behind here. So, we could realistically see Trey Wallace as the X, Liam Clifford in the slot, and Keandre Lambert-Smith as status quo at the Z. Uh, but also at the end of the day, this is important to preface, any of these guys can play any wide receiver position, okay? 
it, it is tough if you're going from, say, like, why didn't Parker Washington move over to the X and then there was no need for Mitchell Tinsley? Pete, these receivers do have their strengths. If you've played a certain position, a wide receiver position for the past three or four years, like Parker Washington did in his case, which is why he didn't move over after Jahan Dotson left and why Keandre Lambert-Smith has been at the Z, it is because that is their best position when it comes to being a wide receiver. But went like Mitchell Tinsley did move over to the slot. So it is very possible that one of these guys could change positions hypothetically, like a KLS moving to the slot, but it's what the coaching staff deems uh, necessary. And I haven't heard any rumors otherwise than speculation that KLS would be a good fit in the slot. Coaching staff hasn't said that uh, and they haven't specifically been asked about it. So I, I think that's an important question that should be posed to James Franklin the next time. So it is locked on Nittany Lions. We're talking wide receivers in these opening two segments. This is the official 2023 wide receiver preview. Who's going to be Drew Aller's favorite target? We're going to talk about that next after a word from our sponsor. And that is FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook. And the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line, point scores, threes drain, pick your favorite NBA bets. Spread, money line, as I mentioned, total, player props, the points scored, rebounds, assists, etc. Also, there's so many other exclusive bets you can choose from, like the two-by-three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance at your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on. To learn more, you make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out the brand new show and that is Locked On College Basketball. March Madness is almost here. It's so close. One of my favorite times of the year. Locked On College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko. This is Locked On Nittany Lines. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Thanks so much for helping us get over 860 subscribers. We're previewing wide receivers before we get into Penn State men's basketball. They play Minnesota tomorrow, so we'll preview that a little bit and see where the team is headed after its 93 to 81 win over Illinois. So, and leave your comments down in the comments section about the wide receivers who you think will be Drew Aller's number one favorite target, who you think could be a surprise name to step up when all the dust settles through winter workouts, spring ball, and then summer camp before they get to the first game. Uh, so a part of this, we're going to talk about number one wide receiver, the impact of the transfers and then breakout candidates and even sleepers. Who's a sleeper in this wide receiver room uh, and, and the best young wide receiver that we're not really talking about. And then Marcus Haggins comes in. What's he going to do uh, with Taylor Stubblefield being left behind after he was fired this offseason here? So the number one target, I, I think we can all agree here that 
it might be a tight end at the end of the day. It really, it really might because Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, I think have a lot of potential here. I think that uh, Mike Yursich really has his options uh, starting with the ground game. So they can really do just about anything. Uh, the play action is going to help. I think Theo Johnson is going to emerge as the downfield target at the tight end spot. And then Tyler Warren will be kind of that short play, uh, that safety blanket, if you will. So it's kind of whatever, if Drew Aller is going to be more of the home run hitter with his passes, or if he's going to play a conservative based on the way the offense is constructed. Uh, so depending on what that is, could be Theo Johnson or Tyler Warren. If we're looking as far as a wide receiver, let's take the just in general pass catchers out of the equation. Uh, Keandre Lambert Smith comes to the immediate mind, right? because of the end of the season run that he had with Michigan State and the Rose Bowl and becoming that favorite target for Sean Clifford. You would like to think that his veteran presence and his continuity in the Penn State locker room will be that that factor for him to be the number one target. Uh, but then there's Dante Cephas, and they're bringing in Dante Cephas to be the ex-wide receiver. So since that's the case, again, the ex-wide receiver is the number one wide receiver in this offense. So you just have to consider that. That's why Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley were so close because Mitchell Tinsley was the X, meaning that he was the main focus of the wide receiver group. He was getting the best routes, but Parker Washington was in fact the more talented wide receiver and why he was still getting looks. So you want to be able to have that balance on both sides of the field. Uh, but I, I'm going to give it to Keiner Lambert Smith for now. If Dante Cephas was able to enroll over the winter, I, I might give it to him in this case because I really like his talent. I like what the coaching staff, because they can't name him yet. That would be a recruiting violation. But once he is on campus, the way that they've spoken about him without exactly naming him just uh, me it means they're really excited about a guy like Dante Cephas. So again, the X is supposed to be the number one wide receiver based on scheme, but Keandre Lambert-Smith might have the edge in terms of talent. Uh, the impact of the transfers. Well, Dante Cephas is a veteran. All-MAC conference first team uh, really lit it up, not last year, but a couple seasons ago when he had some better quarterback play. And you can see when he has a good quarterback, what he can really do. So you're hoping that, he doesn't have any growing pains in that this transfers from the Mac to the Big Ten because he's going to see better competition. He's going to see better corners. Now, what is Malik McLean's situation? I'm actually very excited for Malik McLean because he's enrolled through winter workouts. He's already on the roster, which is great. He can build that chemistry and someone that might allow you to move Keandre Lambert-Smith if you don't feel comfortable with your options at the slot wide receiver. So Malik McLean... Uh, provides you a red zone target, provides you a possession wide receiver, provides you somebody that will just tower over these 5'10", 5'11", cornerbacks and, and, and give you that. Drew Aller doesn't have to look to Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren as a big body target. He can say, go get the rebound, Malik, and, and, and play jump ball in the end zone. And I really like the idea that Malik McLean, again, started at Florida State his freshman year, made an impact as a first-year player, but then just kind of got lost in the shuffle on the depth chart. Mike Norvell started bringing more of his own guys, and it, it just didn't work anymore. So now he's found a new home at Penn State. So that is what those two guys could do individually. As far as breakout candidates go, 
And these are guys that are already on the roster for Penn State at wide receiver. Uh, Liam Clifford honestly comes to my mind first as somebody. You know, he's just, I, I've heard glowing things about him. He's a hard worker. He's very talented. He holds a lot of high school records in Ohio uh, when he was a star at St. Xavier. Uh, changed his number to number two. So he's more of a skilled guy now. Uh, and I, I think Liam Clifford, uh, don't get tired of the Clifford name because I think Liam's going to have his own impact here. Uh, Caden Saunders is, is another guy you got to throw in the conversation because, as I mentioned earlier, 97 overall recruit, four star, someone who did have the red shirt. Uh, they wanted, they knew that they could use the red shirt for him, give him that learning experience. And he's a smaller type of build, right? Five nine. Uh, he's very good with his footwork, very good at route running. He, he's not going to uh, push off the line of scrimmage, but the way that he separates himself, he's going one way, then he cuts another, and then he's got to step on you, and he's got good speed to go along with it. Amari Evans, uh, we've seen Amari Evans kind of periodically throughout, and someone that was a little lower rated in the class of 2022, but made a little bit of his an, an impact lower on the depth chart. Uh, and everyone says that he is kind of that next X wide receiver, that he's going to be that player that emerges into that Jahan Dotson type of role. He hasn't been compared to Jahan Dotson, but he's com been compared that he can handle that capacity, that responsibility out at wide receiver. Who's a sleeper in this group? Because there's a lot of uh, wide receivers that you just don't really talk about. And, and it's a veteran, as a matter of fact. And it's going to be Malik Mega. Not Malik McLean. It's going to be Malik Mega. I think he's still a sleeper on this team. Uh, had an injury going into the Rose Bowl, so that's why he didn't play. I think he battled some injuries throughout the season as well because this was somebody uh, one year ago through winter workouts, through spring ball, through summer camp, that everyone on the coaching staff and on in the locker room was very much looking forward to see playing and making making an impact. And, and that just didn't happen for Malik Mega. So he's another big body wide receiver, and he's more athletic. He's not really so much of that possession receiver. He's got a little speed to him. You saw him a lot on special teams because he can race down the field. So that 6'4 height mixed with that blazing speed, maybe that's someone that runs a post down the field and can be a big play target. Uh, and with that height, can go up and get it. So I like that combination of speed and size for Malik Mega if he can push his way back up the depth chart. Uh, so, But he's definitely a sleeper. Uh, best young wide receiver in this group, I think it's Caden Saunders because on paper he, he's got you know the recognition from high school. He was one of the best wide receivers coming out of Ohio and snubbed Ohio State. I'm all good with that. Come to Penn State uh, and, and be that next great slot wide receiver. Be that KJ Hamler type, that smaller build, so good with the speed, so good with the footwork. So on paper, it's Saunders, but around the team, it's Amari Evans, the you know the best up and coming, like one of those of a freshman from a year ago, now sophomores, now second year in the program. It, Mari Evans slightly has the edge, but it's one of those two guys. And, and then I think the sleeper in this group is truly Liam Clifford. I already said my, my good words about him, but I think those three really do have some potential here and they're not going to be left off the field. They might not start, but they're not going to be left off the field either. They will get some reps and they will get some looks. They could be second stringers uh, through all of this. And you know that Penn state likes to cycle these guys in wide receiver, defensive line, tight end, Running back, they want to get guys in so that 
you're not out of gas by the fourth quarter. They, you, you will get your reps even if you do not start, if you've earned it. So now we've come to the wide receiver coach. And Marcus Haggins coming over from Virginia, spent a long time, played there, was a wide receiver, was a quarterback, played wide receiver in the NFL for a few years, didn't have a decorated career in the NFL, but he still made the NFL and then went back and coached and has been close to a dozen years at Virginia as the wide receivers coach. Uh, so the impact that he's going to have, he's going to build better relationships. One of the biggest criticisms that I heard about Taylor Stubblefield was that he just didn't build the best relationships in, in his time at Penn State. Uh, and that's something that Haggins, when you've spoken with him, when you've listened to him talk, he says that's his goal is to build relationships, to be not only a mentor and a coach, but to be a friend, to be a guy that the players feel like they can trust, they can turn to and I'm surprised that just isn't really more of a philosophy for uh, any sort of coach, right? Uh, in, in today's game, uh, maybe that's the case back in the sixties and seventies. I'm not your friend. I'm, you know, it's, it's all business here, but James Franklin's building that family culture. So I, I would imagine that's everyone's value here. So that it's, it's not taboo to have this. This is the right thing. And, and it fits on staff with what James Franklin has as far as overall program expectations. Uh, so he will be the player's coach. He's going to be a strong recruiter. We're already seeing Penn State be in the conversation for top wide receivers uh, in the DMV area, of course, particularly Virginia. But Marcus Haggins as a recruiter, uh, that's where he's going to be at his best and player development and building building strong relationships. So Taylor Stubblefield, I, I think for the time being, did what he was asked to do. But as the transfer portal became a thing, as NIL became a thing, I think it just sped up too much for him. And I, and I don't think he was prepared for that. It just didn't it didn't translate. Whatever happened. Uh, Taylor Stubblefield just did not adjust with the way that college football changed in a flash like that. And, and I think that was enough for James Franklin to say, you know what, uh, in this day and age of college football, you got to be on the train with this or get off. And that's what happened here. So, uh, he did enough for the moment, but you, if you want to be a national title contender, uh, everyone needs to be on board here. So, uh, Locked on Nittany Lines here. I'm Zach Seiko, your host. Uh, that is the official wide receiver preview, I think, <laughs> completely from top to bottom. Everything you need to know as far as the guys that will be on the football field and, and getting significant time and reps. Let's turn it over to Penn State men's basketball. Coming off a win against Illinois, 93-81. to uh, The good from that game, right? Jalen Pickett's 41 points. Sixth time that that's ever happened in Penn State history, a 40-plus point game. Jalen Pickett also uh, at 2,000 career points. So he he is having quite the finish to his college, to his time in college basketball. And that's a record in the Bryce Jordan Center. If you didn't know that already, now you do 41 points. Uh, most scored in the Bryce Jordan Center. And that was a quad one win over a tournament-bound Illinois team. And Penn State, I, I feel like this is 2018 Ohio State all over again where this team just had its number. I don't think Illinois does very well with small ball. If you can believe that, whenever Penn State went to a smaller, faster, quicker lineup, that's when Illinois just didn't have an answer. So if, if Penn State can find a way to use that smaller lineup to continue to, to beat up on some teams down the stretch and possibly get into the NCAA tournament, there's hope. There's hope. And, th and that's another part of the good. By winning that game, you at least keep the window cracked. You at least keep the opportunity alive. 
Uh, if Penn State goes four and one, they don't even need to go undefeated. I've said they've gone undefeated uh, if they want to get back into the conversation. But if they go in four and one, the committee is going, and depending on how they do in the Big Ten tournament, the committee is going to be a little more understanding of their resume. Uh, so Penn State definitely will have a better chance. Uh, they can afford to drop one game. But that where that comes with the good, there's the bad of that. Okay. So Penn State, they also uh, they have to go four and one. And, and that's easier said than done when you have Maryland still to go, when you have back-to-back road games, when you have another road game against a Northwestern. Even though Rutgers is squeezed in there, you got to go road, road, home against Rutgers, road against Northwestern, back and home against Maryland. I mean, that is a pretty tough slate down the stretch. Going four and one isn't going to be easy. I wouldn't I three and two <laughs> isn't even that easy because Minnesota, you would like to think, is a guaranteed, but on the road in Columbus, Rutgers, they're tournament bound. Northwestern's definitely tournament bound. They just beat Purdue. Uh, And Maryland's definitely tournament bound. They just beat Purdue. (laughs) And Penn State uh, struggled against Purdue. Also, the bat, uh, the defense is still lacking. That's uh, no surprise now. Uh, They outscored Illinois, but 81 points is still rough. Uh, The defensive efficiency is the problem. Whenever Illinois really wanted to score and was really executing, they did. Opponents can score at will. And the ugly from that game, there wasn't really a lot of ugly for Penn State. There just wasn't. I'm going to go with the officiating. It, it is bad. It is horrendous. They're watching the Big Ten officials. I, I said, you know what? All right. It, it's officiating. You want them to call the, the way in favor of your team. I get where Micah Shrewsbury is coming from. But when you watch it in person, it is bad. <laughs> it, it really is. They just do not call fouls. Jalen Pickett will, will get into the paint draw the contact, make the shot, and they just don't do anything. Okay, whatever. Uh, So the upcoming schedule, as I mentioned, at Minnesota tomorrow at the time of the posting of this episode, Saturday, February 18th, at Ohio State at home against Rutgers, uh, and then at Northwestern, that's probably going to be the toughest one remaining, and then at home on Senior Day against Maryland to finish up the regular season. And who needs to have a big performance in the next game as we preview Minnesota here? I would say a youngster because I don't need Jalen Pickett, Andrew Funk, Seth Lundy to really prove anything to me. I, I would say Miles Dredd because I think this is a game where you can find your, you know, find your rhythm again because Minnesota's just not that good. But I'd like to see a youngster continue to build down the stretch here. A Kanye Clary, a Keba Jai, and Evan Mahaffey. This again is a is a building type of game where yes, there's a lot on the line, but at the same time, it's an opponent where you can try to figure some things out, even though there is a lot on the line for the Nittany Lions. So what do the Minnesota Golden Gophers bring to the table? Uh, well, they've only played one game in two weeks. Uh, a lot of circumstances. The, they had a pause due to a COVID outbreak among the team. Uh, they also had the game against Michigan State canceled in wake of the tragic shooting. So you don't you don't like to have to bring that up in the discussion, but that is the case here. So the Golden Gophers have only played one game down the stretch Uh, and they will have to play four games over the course of a week, starting with Penn state here on Saturday, Minnesota all time is 16 and three at home against Penn state. So they've had the Nittany Lions number on the road, but never say never. There are three wins out there historically by the Nittany Lions. And the last time these two teams met last season, big 10 tournament, low scoring game because that was a much different Penn state team, but they came from behind in the second half and won 60 to 51 and Jalen Pickett, had 22 points in that game, so hopefully that's the case again. 
But this Minnesota team is different. Uh, they just don't provide the same firepower that they did. They weren't that good last year, but uh, they're even worse this year. They're 7-16 and 16 right now. They're last in the Big Ten, 14th place. This would be a quad two win uh, if Penn State can do it. Key players for Minnesota, they're the forwards. Dawson Garcia is your leading scorer behind him. Jamison Battle, who's back from last year, and they could pose problems in the front court. We've seen Penn State struggle with forwards all season long. These two average 27 points a game together, uh, and I think they could be serious contributors uh, in this game just because they just will match up well with Penn State, even though Minnesota's not great offensively. Taylon Cooper is one of the best distributors in the Big Ten. He's up there with Jalen Pickett in terms of assists. He leads the Golden Gophers in assists, so he's going to run the offense. Now for Penn State, this is where this helps. Minnesota does not shoot well. Minnesota cannot score. They average 61 points per game. Minnesota, I think, is averaging 41. They're shooting about 41% from the field. Uh, so, but... Penn State's defensive problems, they've they've struggled on the road. Penn State is 12-2 and two in the Bryce Jordan Center, and they only have three other wins on the road. That That's that's not good. Yeah, you're hoping to pick up your fourth here. Minnesota has nothing to lose in this game. Penn State has everything to lose. They lose this game. They lose this game. That's it. They're done. They're knocked out of the NCAA tournament. Minnesota knows that. Minnesota's coming off a long time, a long period of rest where they can say, let's just put it all out there. We know we got a hefty schedule. We know we got all these games, but and Penn State's going to be carrying, you know, a heavy burden into this game. The Golden Gophers can be a bowl in a china shop and really throw the Nittany Lions off here. There's no recovery. There is no recovery if they lose this game. They are not getting into the NCAA tournament. This is an ugly, this is a bad loss, uh, unless they were to win the Big Ten tournament, and we know that's not happening. Uh, if I'm looking for a game plan, I want Penn State to continue to go small. It's what works. Don't try to force Keba Jai into this. Michael Henn, go small against Minnesota like you did against Illinois. Again, their strengths are, if they have any, are the forwards. They're in the front court. The back court, not as stout. So use Seth Lundy. Use Jalen Pickett to your advantage. Sneak out of there with a win. I don't care if it's a one-point win or a 100-point win. Just win the damn game. That's really what it comes down to. Sneak out of there because you have to go over the long haul and try to go 4-1. and one. 5-0 if you can down this stretch. So I believe Penn State uses the momentum from the Illinois game, and they do win. They do get uh, they do get a victory out there in Minnesota. 76-70. to 70. Uh, I'll give Minnesota a few more points here than they normally average, just because, again, from a defensive efficiency standpoint, Penn State is not good. And I'll throw another little prediction in there. I think Seth Lundy will be the leading scorer this time. I think the attention will be on Jalen Pickett coming off a 41-point performance. They'll try to double him. He'll be able to dish it. And then your second option, Seth Lundy, will in fact have a big game. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. Make sure you check out the brand new show and that is Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Leave me some feedback, some questions about the show. If you have any, just comment in the YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. 
about Locked On Nittany Lines. And we're going to flip it over to the defense now that we've had the offense completed. We're going to start to preview the positions each on defense and go check out those other episodes for the quarterbacks, running backs, offensive line, and tight ends if you missed those previews. And for all your Penn State content, of course, make sure you check out it all right here on Locked On Nittany Lines.